Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Straight Talk. We're here at our Istanbul office with Cameron Degin. Cameron, it's lovely seeing you. Thank you. It's been quite a while since we have last filmed an episode. A couple of weeks, really. Yes. I think three weeks true. or something. Now you're back in uh, with a lot of wisdom to share with us mm -hmm. and hopefully with the audience. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. Today, Cameron, I'd like to um, talk as uh, citizens not as uh, experts or financial experts and not as real estate experts. And I do not want to uh, provide any sort of investment, this, uh, investment advice out of this particular straight talk that we would like to have because we will be talking about um, the new tenure of the Treasury Minister, Mehmet Shimshek, and, and his policies. Now, obviously, uh, we wanted the approach to be from a, a citizen perspective, uh, okay. people who live and understand the very society that they live in and would like to share our opinions uh, with our audience to understand how this new, the new Turkish economic model or this new era in the um, uh, Turkish monetary policies will look like. So is um, the new Turkish economic model an orthodox one or an unorthodox one? That's the terminology well, that has been coined all over the place about the old Turkish economic model. Or should we call it Erdogan's economic model? Yes. Uh, uh, Erdogan's <laughs> economic model was has been termed as an unorthodox interest rate unorthodox. policy. Unorthodox. I see. The current finance minister apparently, is an, is an orthodox one. From what I understand, orthodox in this context means generally accepted or the general practice. That's actually what, what it means. Right. So the current finance minister belongs to the generally accepted macroeconomic tools school, sure. so to speak, as opposed to, you know, uh, previously, other under pretty much Erdogan's management, it seems. Right. Because, um, simply put, as inflation was going up, Turkey was reducing its interest rates. <laughs> the simplest Sounds way quite to describe the unorthodox policy. Right. So what we're saying, basically, long story short, is that the new finance minister is going to be upping the interest rates in order to combat inflation. True. Uh, that's, I mean, long story short. Long story short. <laughs> the expectation is... The expectation. Restoring confidence, stabilizing yes. Turkish lira, attracting more foreign direct investment, more orthodox policies, and independence to the central bank. So these are what... Uh, these are the things that are expected off of him. And he is not a brand new finance minister per se he had a long enough tenure back in between 2009 and 2018 and within his tenure turkey enjoyed some growth and stability uh, there were tax reforms fiscal cons consolidation and certain structural reforms 
uh, Mehmet Shimshek is somebody who is well known in the international money markets. And the aim is to sort of maneuver the unorthodox policies of uh, Erdogan and, and the previous uh, finance ministers into a more um, Western friendly, let's say, uh, more orthodox policies. But before getting there, between 2018 and two, until 2023, we had a very interesting period, Cameron. Would you very briefly describe to us what we have been through and, and whether or not there were, it, 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 it was good or what was aimed was achieved? What were some of the pluses and minuses of this unorthodox chapter of ours? If you look at the headline indicators of the past five years, 2018 to 2023, the last five years, you will see an increase in employment and a reduction in relative unemployment in Turkey. Right. Um, I'll give you a very interesting statistics. Service exports or Turkey, mm. which what comes under service exports, tourism, medical tourism, logistics, consultation, service industries. They increased, um, the, our service exports increased from, if I'm not mistaken, $34 billion in 2018 to almost $120 billion in 2020, by 2023. Tourism income is yeah. increased from significantly. 30 billion yes. to almost 60 yes. billion. Yes. And GDP. Yeah. Um, GDP, if I'm not mistaken, GDP at the end of 2018 was just short of $800 billion. And 2023 GDP is expected to be just over a trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. That's IMF projections. When, when you look at the headline indicators, well, there are some positives. True. Well, these are, in fact, um, some very promising positives. Mm -hmm. Yet, the flip side of the coin is what happened in the last five years with the so-called unorthodox policy pursued by Turkish Central Bank, which really was pursued by Erdogan himself, is that the gap between those who have and those who don't seems to have widened. As inflation started going up in the last five years, in the last three, four years in particular, the inflation rate in Turkey has increased significantly. Um, under normal circumstances, the orthodox macroeconomic policies would dictate, like almost all other treasuries in all around the world we see, the way they act, would dictate that if your inflation is going up, then you need to increase interest rates in order to curb inflation. Okay, when there is no other country who apparently does that, why is Turkey has to be the exception? Basically, what Turkey did is simply not to apply the brakes on Turkish economy. Mm. Now, because if you increase interest rates, you are slowing down your economy. Cost of borrowing goes up um, and uh, the trickle effects of that. So the economy slows down because new enterprise does not come in. Entrepreneurs hold fire. People do not employ 
employment rate goes down. So generally, if you're increasing interest rates, you're slowing down the economy. Now, Turkey did not want to do that on purpose. They didn't want to slow down an economy that started doing rather well, sort of all the way from kind of 2009, 2008, nine onwards, Turkish economy started going up, up, yeah. up, up. 2018, we saw a devaluation of the Turkish currency, which brought down our GDP overall. If we take that as a year of exception, which it was, if you look at the indicators again, after that, Turkish economy has gone up. At the time when I guess the decision had to be made, when um, inflation was training away, to increase interest rates, um, we didn't do that. As opposed to increasing interest rates, Turkey decreased interest rates. True. To further foster economic growth. Now, this obviously um, did not help the Turkish lira. So Turkish lira devalued. But Turkish lira devaluing and Turkish lira depreciating did not necessarily... Um, did not necessarily slow down the Turkish economy. To the yeah. contrary, it seems to have increased our exports because you're selling the same product with the same quality and desirability at a lower price. True. Because your currency decreased, got decreased. So, you know, the cost to the overseas buyer went down. So that increased exports. So Turkey basically said, look, if I slow down the economy... I have excess capacity. Well, I'm further underutilizing my excess capacity. So let me not slow down the economy. In fact, to the contrary, let me push economic growth despite trails on massive evidence of inflation going up because I want to utilize my capacity and I want more entrepreneurs to come onto the market. I want more businesses to be established. I want growth. Mm -hmm. So Turkey, in short, pushed for growth what, by what appears at the expense of a widening um, income distribution. Yes. There was a wealth erosion, a, a wealth transfer from people who didn't have much to the, uh, to the businesses. I think the it's more than didn't have much. I think the wealth transfer happened from the middle towards class to entrepreneurial True. Movement. So um, in Turkey, traditionally always people, I don't want to use the word, but I will use the word for everyone to understand, people hoard money, mm. hoarding, meaning instead of investing it in business, investing it in new ventures, people feel safer in converting it to gold or converting it to hard currency and literally putting it under the pillow, well, right. as the Turkish expression goes, right. the under pillow money. So... What this particular policy did is get that money from underneath the pillow and throw it into circulation. Mm -hmm. What that means is, as the indicators we talked about, higher employment, another statistic. If you look at new company formations in Turkey over the last five years, the graph is like that. Mm. Year on year, there's a significant increase in new company formations. New company formations mean new businesses. So... That part of the unorthodox policy seems to have worked. True. And that happened despite 
yes. the quarantines that happened exactly. despite the exactly. uh, economic slowdown of 2023. Exactly. And it, it, it seems that the idea has worked to a certain extent. Obviously, it did have certain defects to it. I mean, Turkey is a country that has a current account deficit. So um, we, we lost a bit there. And also, when you are carrying out a wealth transfer from the middle class to the higher class, then you would ideally expect that money to come down to the economy. But one of the inevitable outcomes of that, that, that money tends to leave the country in the form of FDI to, 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 to other countries around. Um, but uh, in, 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 in the grand scheme of things, yes, I would say the idea has worked. Now, let me ask you an interesting question. I, 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 I asked you this question, but you didn't quite answer me. Um, why was... Turkey. The I mean, you said Turkey didn't want to slow down. They didn't want to, you know, mm. push the brakes. Why? Why I mean, didn't any, Turkey any want to slow down? Any politician in the West who would do what Erdogan did would have lost the elections and would have faced mm -hmm. a big public outburst, a backlash. But Erdogan, despite that, he did what he did. Why? Where does this ambition? Come from. It was a very bold move on part of Erdogan. As you can see, he it almost cost him the elections. It did, yeah. Because it hurt his fundamental voter base, True. which is lower to middle, mid-income brackets in Turkey. The sort of the Anatolian, central Turkey, this is the main voter base of AK Party, which is Erdogan's party. And, you know, so that was a bold move. Now, why did Turkey do this? Yeah. Okay. I'd like to take you back 20 years, 30 years. 30 years ago, Turkey was a different kind of country. Now, what was the main difference? Hmm. If you lived 30 years ago and if you walked the streets of Istanbul... Um, Levent Business District, uh, Beyoğlu, Grand Bazaar. Was if there you a went Levent Business to, District back then? Well, kind Just of the beginnings of. If you went down to the south coast and if you, if you generally sniffed the environment, there was less of an entrepreneurial spirit in Turkey. Mm. Definitely. And I would imagine if you looked at the statistics of new company openings, people going into business, etc., etc., you can, and you will very well verify what I just said. New ideas, business ideas, new sectors, um, ambitions in technology, and growth in research and development were very, very short to come by. Um, people simply did not venture into new businesses, new developments. Now, what that does if you don't have an entrepreneurial spirit in an 85 million population like Turkey, there's no way you will develop that country. Mm. To develop the country, you need the people in that country to get up and to want to grow, to want to develop, to want to invest. You want to shake them up. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, there was a change in Turkey. All of a sudden, new ideas started popping up. People started moving into business. People started thinking, you know what? I can do this. I can go and gather a loan from this relative 
alone from that re- that relative, maybe a little bit of support from the banks, and I can very well open that restaurant that I want to. I can very well open that manufacturing unit that um, produces textiles for Germany, for UK, for US. I can very well go into this technology business that um, you know I studied for, I'm a new university graduate um, for the past five, five years. I know what I'm doing. That spirit came into Turkey 15, 20 years ago. Mm, you know, I'm not saying there were no businesses in Turkey before. Of course, that's not what I'm saying. But what no, I mean, I'm saying right. is- Back then, everybody actively, wanted to be a government yes, employee. Actively wanting to go into business, actively wanting to- Take those risks because business is risk. If you're not willing to take risks, don't go into business. There's no other way to explain. Profit is the reward you get for taking risks. There's no other definition of profit. Every other definition is a blah, blah, blah. So people started taking risks because they were pursuing profits. Now, basically, my view is Erdogan did not want to put a stop on this. Mm. He didn't want to put brakes on Turkish newly emerging and very vibrant and strong emerging entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that was the main reason. It's it's really interesting uh, that, you know, our country can actually, look, I mean, think about it, Cameron. There are countries like Bulgaria, Serbia, this, that. Their populations were, Bulgaria's population was 8 million Something 10 years like ago. That, yeah. Today, it's 6 million. Greece's population was 11 yeah. million. Today, it's 9 million. Yeah. Serbia and in other countries, most people are leaving Eastern yeah. Europe because those countries ventured into a Balkan mentality of, I want to be a good worker, pay me salary. Um, right at the, you know, after 6 p.m., I go and, yeah. and, and I spend my time with family. That was the mentality in those countries. The mentality in Turkey 30 right. years ago. Was that? Was no different. Yes. Yeah. Turkey was a, a struggling Balkan country. Yeah. Today, yes, some people are uncomfortable. A lot of people are uncomfortable. I get that. Yeah. I get that. But at the very core of the society, everybody's running around. That environment certainly was created in Turkey for people to get out and start their own businesses, for people to take those risks, to develop, to go into technology, to invest in R&D. But obviously, it came at a cost, almost cost the government the election. Well, the elections. Yeah. But they were so popular that they could have risked certain things. Well, it, yeah. I mean, it was they, they, it was a risk were. that could have gone either way, in my opinion. Anyway, yeah. so now something needs to be done about inflation. Now they probably say, guys, look, we had a good run, okay? <laughs> we tried, we had a good run, we, we reaped off certain benefits, but now is the time that okay. we... You know that we got we got to sort ourselves out, or, or yes. rather, we need to rectify, mend uh, the slightly tarnished credibility of the Turkish microeconomic system, because the whole wide world out there, particularly uh, particularly the developed Western economies, um, for them. Uh, particularly for institutional investors, for larger scale investors who can come in with big funding, big amounts of foreign direct investment. Mm -hmm. For them, 
economic stability is very, very important. Um, they're not so much after high-risk investments. They're not so much after um, economic indicators going north and south in a very wild, aggressive way, even if the trend is going up. No. They'd rather have a more predictable, a more stable trend of marginal increases mm -hmm. because they have stakeholders that will then need and demand explanations. True. So what I'm trying to say is we live in a world where stability is rewarded. So Turkey has now come to a stage where it has a manufacturing industry that's doing rather well. True. Um, it has invested in its the technology, whether yeah. it's low to yeah. high level technology, yeah. and it has it has scored some noticeable gains in that sector. It started investing in research and development. The service industry and the service um, exports have moved from very humble um, levels only five years ago to almost 10 times the value. Now, these are big increases. So and things have been happening infrastructure in this country. infrastructure investments, big time. Big time infrastructure Into energy, into Anything. transportation, into everything. So this is almost like an awakening for the country. Yes. So now that we're awake, yeah. let us bring in stability. Because okay. we know we can run this train. We know we can drive this car. And we know that we'll do very well on the racing track. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that the Central Bank of Turkey is fully independent, mm -hmm. which is a massive indicator of country credibility. Let's put all these in order so that we can establish maybe a more solid foundation for the next 10, 20 years. Maybe growth may not be as aggressive as what we have seen in the last five to 10 years, but we'll see a more stable economy where projections are more viable, mm -hmm. where a foreign investor, whether it's an institutional investor or an individual coming into the country can indeed project his fortunes over the next three, five, ten years with a greater degree of accuracy mm -hmm. rather than will there be a devaluation of the currency. What's the inflation going to do? Well, I don't know because I can't predict. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest no-no for a lot of investors. When they yes. cannot predict, they're scared. So let's bring in predictability. Let's bring in stability. This is exactly what the next five to ten years, in my opinion, will be about. And under uh, Mehmet Shimshek, who um, certainly has the right mindset. He is all about stability. He is all about fiscal controls. You know, I think he is the guy for the job. Look, I'll tell you, this guy is really influential. Have you noticed something, Cameron? Sweden and, and Finland applied for the NATO. NATO membership. NATO. Yeah. Turkey gave the green light to Finland uh, and, and Finland became a member. With Sweden, however, there were certain issues and Turkey was a little reluctant. But now, Erdogan has given them the green light and he has said that, look, we will facilitate your membership to NATO 
But let's open this chapter of our membership to the European Union. Well, that's an interesting move, yeah. isn't it? And and he said, let's let's talk about <laughs> that's the visa-free travel. Do you see what's happening? There's clearly, a, there's clearly, a, there's clearly. A, there's a yeah. bit of you know shift there. I think what Turkey inst- intends to do now, possibly, um, I think Erdogan has been very well advised in this department, in the, in this regard lately, mm-hmm. particularly as they almost lost the elections. Yes. And I think what Turkey wants to do is Turkey wants to play ball with all stakeholders again, rather than I'm going to be my own man. I think that we're going to see that policy changing. And I think once we see that policy changing, um, we're likely to see um, a um, an increase in um, FDI into Turkey yeah. from all around the world. Yeah. From F- all FDI, around the world. FDI yeah. is all about credibility. Of course. And Mehmet Şimşek Stability and credibility. Is very respected yes. by financial institutions, international financial institutions. And his policies are all geared towards restoring that, uh, that credibility and appealing to the global markets and saying, hey, look. Exactly. I've done what I promised. Now, bring your money to Turkey. And that seems to be the agenda. Well, I agree. okay. Um, what do we say? I mean, look, we're, we're not financial experts or anything like that, and we're not, you know, providing any investment advice. We're just, you know, uh, citizens, and we are following the events that are taking place in our country that would very much affect our business and our audience as well. So we thought, why don't we give our opinion, our insider opinion, as to how we see this entire situation. Now, I'm going to throw the ball at you so you give us a good closing speech. The way I see it in uh, in Turkey, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat my mantra, Uh, because I firmly believe in this, I think the next 10 years, Turkey is one country to watch out for. Mm. I think Turkey is going to, a lot of things, you know, kind of slowly come together. Slowly come together. The way I see it is, in Turkey, a lot of the big picture is already there. It just needs one or two little touches. And once you do one of those, one or two little touches, just like an arrow that you pull with a strong tension and you let it go and it will go and it will go like a thunder. That's where I see Turkey. Hmm. I, I really do. And I keep explaining this to everybody I see. I think Turkey is a country to look out for because I see the demographic demographically what's happening in the country. The country's desirability is increasing. Um, Again, 20 years ago, you would sit in, give me one part of Istanbul that is very popular and very outdoorish, where people like to walk around, talk around. Nishantashe. 20 years ago, if you sat in Nishantashe and just started people watching, my favorite pastime, by the way. People watching. People watching. I like doing that. Um, and, you know, 100 people pass by. Maybe you'd have two or three foreign nationals, non-Turkish, you would hear. Today, you go to the same spot, 100 people pass by, minimum 30 
speak in a different language. Mm. And what does that tell you in such a short time? So what that tells you is that this country is becoming more and more multicultural, more and more desirable. Now, with desirability comes investment. Believe me. Not the other way around. You don't have investment coming, then the place becoming more desirable. No. The place becomes more desirable. People want to move there. They want to live there. They want to associate themselves with a particular city or a country. With that, come investment. With that, come economic growth. I really see Turkey. I think the only word, the only phrase I could use is tipping point. Turkey is on the tipping point. Mm -hmm. Give it a year or two, you will start seeing some very interesting things happening again, sort of in terms of development in the country. So um, we are at the very beginning of the next big wave in this country, in my opinion. However, this time, instead of causing big spikes, ups and downs, I see the graph a little more risk-averse, a little more stable, but sort of with an upward gradient. So that's that's where I see Turkey. Look, it was lovely having you. I missed you. Um, thank you for coming back. Thanks a lot. It's, it's always lovely to listen to you. And I would like this audience to discover <laughs> more aspects of you, more sides of you, oh my rather goodness. than just real estate. Turkish real estate or whatever and for this we are actually launching another show called SWAT which oh, is yes. going to be a long format and we'll be there a proper podcast and we will be we will be opening ourselves up as as citizens business people who are living and working in this country and would like to share our opinions and, and how we see events unfolding with the audience of course with you know, a lot of good sound information and data. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, thank you very much for your Thanks time. A lot. Let's do more often these straight talks. We should. The audience misses you. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching, guys. And see you in the next one.